0: I was listening earlier this week to an interview uh, that Ira Glass did with uh, three teenage girls and they were talking about the world of Instagram uh, and posting selfies to Instagram and the comments that they make on one another's posts, gorgeous, pretty, stunning, cutest, things like that. And they were talking about the meaning behind why you post a certain way and why you would like uh, certain comments as opposed to comment or comment opposed a liking and it's very informative for parents who are trying to figure out that world and, and all what all that means. And a lot of what is going on is simply affirming one another through what you're posting. But at one point in the interview, it was pointed out that, that anytime you post a selfie uh, that turns out not to be so flattering, you run the risk of other people copying and pasting that and, and gossiping about you and making fun of what you have posted there. And so to guard against that, one of the things you can do is you can send out a test selfie uh, to a lot of your friends and say, how do I look? Do I look okay? Can I post this? It's kind of some, some test marketing, if you will, that you can do. Uh, they also get texts from friends saying, hey, will you go and like my post? It's not getting very many likes. Will you go and like my post on Facebook or or Instagram?" And Ira Glass, at this point, finally says, that sounds like so much work. That sounds like so much work. It sounds like you have a full-time job. And one of the girls replied, it's like I'm a brand. I'm the director, I'm the promoter, to stay relevant, you have to work hard, you have to promote the brand, you have to promote your brand, you have to promote yourself. And he asked, well, what does it mean to be relevant? And they replied, well, people it's for people to care about what you're posting, people to care about what you're doing, people to open your storyline on Snapchat. That, that's what it means to be relevant. And that's the story that they live by. That's the story that they live by. Blessing comes through staying relevant. And to stay relevant, you have to craft an image about yourself that people will like and care about. And it sounds utterly exhausting. But it's not just teenage girls that do this. Adults, we live by stories as well. Stories that exhaust us As well, I've got to be the perfect mom. I've got to have the perfect house. I have to be respected in my profession. I have to be thought well of in the community. I've got to be thought well of at church. And it's all so exhausting. What if God's gift to you at Christmas is a better story to live by? What if His gift to you this Christmas is a better story to live by? A story that isn't so exhausting. A story that gives you freedom from obsessing about what other people are thinking of you. A story that frees you from performing. A story that also makes sense of the world. That explains evil. That offers forgiveness. That covers your shame. That frees you from worry. And a story that ends well. A story about what true blessing looks like and where true blessing comes from. That's uh, the story we're going to talk about this morning. So if you would look with me, we're going to read two passages, short passages from the book of Genesis, Genesis 12 and 15, and a little bit longer passage from the book of Galatians. This is God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house." "...to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed." And then from Genesis 15, "...after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward will be very great." But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Then from the book of Galatians, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. <clears throat> For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for these texts that show us just the scope of your Uh, redemptive plan from old to new testament uh, that show us uh, the amazingness of your love for us Uh, god i pray that you'd help me to handle these carefully and and present them clearly now and that you would give us uh, ears to hear and hearts believe the good news uh, of your scriptures we ask it in jesus name amen The general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers recently said about his star player LeBron James, the most important thing in his life is winning a championship here. He is consumed by it. LeBron's not alone, is he? Uh, We have seen many respected college football coaches fired over the past few weeks, and I'm sure there'll be more to come, because the most important thing for a lot of people, is winning championships. It's one of those stories we live by. Winning championships, getting likes on Instagram, having my children be successful, more money in my bank account. All of those things, we say if I have those things, they will equal up to blessing in my life. That's what the stories tell us, and those are the stories that we live by. The problem is those stories don't always deliver. We don't always win the championship. And even when we do, the euphoria eventually wears off and we're desperate for the next one. We don't always get enough likes on Instagram. And all the money in the world can't protect us from disappointment and heartache. Uh, Tim Keller has written, when we first fall in love, when we first marry, when we finally break into our chosen field, when we at last get that weekend house, these breakthroughs arouse in us anticipation of something which, as it turns out, never occurs. We eventually discover that our desire for that precious something is a longing no lover or career or achievement, even the best possible ones, can satisfy. And when that happens, what do we do? Keller drawing on C.S. Lewis says we do one of three things when we when we have this thing that we want and we think it's going to bring blessing, but it never quite does, he says we do one of three things. We blame the thing itself. We blame the thing itself. And so we think a better spouse or a better job or a better set of friends or a better boss, that will bring us the joy and the blessing that we've been looking for. And so we're we're bored and we're never really content running from one thing to the next looking for joy because the last thing didn't bring it for us. We blame the thing itself. The second thing we do is that we blame ourselves. It's just my fault that this isn't working out. i failed. I've made bad choices. And so what I've got to do is I've just got to work harder, try harder, be better. Uh, LeBron James is 31, and this is surprising to me. He's already logged more minutes in the NBA than either Larry Bird. Our Magic Johnson in their entire careers. But his plan this year is to play all 82 games. He's been skipping rest in the fourth quarter. He goes to the gym late at night to work on free throws. Uh, I saw last night on the ticker at the bottom of the screen that they, they were resting him a game. And I wondered, if, did it finally catch up with him? Or did the coach just say, you got to come out, man. You got to come out. But why, why is he doing that? I think maybe he thinks that I've got to do this. I've got to finally win one in Cleveland, for Cleveland, and then everything, everybody will finally be off my back and satisfied, and I'll be who they think I am and who I think I need to be. I'll finally be the hero. We blame the things. We blame ourselves and, and try to work harder. Or third, we blame the universe, and we just give up on finding fulfillment and lasting joy. We say, that was, that was me when I was younger. And we get more and more cynical and more and more hardened. We don't think we're ever going to find joy. It's just not there to be had. We blame all of those things. But the reality is we still haven't blamed the right thing. We haven't blamed our lack of a relationship with the God who made us. We've never realized or we've forgotten that real blessing flows out of a relationship with God. Uh, In his last meeting with the Georgia football team this past Thursday, uh, their departing coach, Mark Rick, said, Life is about people, not rings. Rings collect dust. Life is about people, not rings. Rings collect dust. What did he just say when he said that? He said, guys, I'm actually living by a different story than most other people are in the, the football crazy south. He had realized that blessing comes from knowing and being known, from loving and being loved by other people. And ultimate blessing comes from knowing and being known, from loving and being loved by a supreme person. From knowing and loving God. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham, and what He says to him is, I will bless you. I will bless you blessing comes from me now what did that blessing look like for Abraham the text says that there was land involved there were descendants involved but there was more he said in you all the families of the earth are actually going to be blessed now how in the world can giving Abraham land giving Abraham descendants turn into blessing for the entire world How does that turn into blessing for you and me? Well, that's what Paul's getting at in in Galatians. Look back at verse 7 again. It's the very first verse in the Galatians reading. Let Let me read this again for us. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying... In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying that the blessing that has been promised to Abraham is actually the blessing of justification by faith. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that brings men and women into a relationship with God. The families of the earth are blessed As they know God. And that comes about through the gospel that God is preaching beforehand to Abraham. Look, Paul understood, he understood the Old Testament. He understood that these promises referred first of all to the land of Canaan, which God would give to Abraham's physical descendants. He wasn't ignorant of the Old Testament. But he also knew that there was more going on than just getting some real estate in the Middle East. Because God said that in Abraham's offspring, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that wasn't going to be brought about by a bunch of Abraham's descendants hanging out in Palestine. Paul understood that both the land and the sea that was promised, the offspring that was promised, ultimately had a spiritual significance. God wasn't just giving land away. It wasn't just free land day. He was ultimately giving a spiritual inheritance. He was giving salvation. He was promising a way back into relationship with himself to all who believe in Jesus and are connected to Jesus by faith. That's what this promise is about. And that's where we find blessing. And it's all tied up in this baby who showed up on the first Christmas. Jesus came... To bring blessing to the world. Look at verse 16 of Galatians. uh, Third paragraph of the Galatians reading. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. Again, Paul understands that offspring or seed can be used as a collective noun. It can refer to more than one person. He actually uses it that way himself later in verse 29. And he knew that Abraham's offspring would be as many as the stars in the sky. But he wanted to emphasize that ultimately this promise points us to one offspring, to one seed. The seed that we talked about even in Genesis 3 last week. And the reason that the many are blessed and receive blessing is because they are connected to the one who is, Paul says, Jesus Christ. Blessing comes to the many because Jesus Christ secures blessing for them and they receive that blessing as they're connected to Jesus by faith. How does he secure that blessing? Look back up at verse 13 of Galatians. It's in the second Galatians paragraph about midway. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, and that's that's all us, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Jesus became a curse for us. He took the punishment that we deserve as those made in God's image who rebelled against Him. He took the punishment that we deserve for our law-breaking. He did the work that needed to be done so that we could experience the blessing that had been promised to Abraham. Jesus did what needed to be done to bring us into relationship with God, to bring us into a place where we could experience God's love, God's presence by the Holy Spirit, God's forgiveness, God's peace, the adoption as God's children. So we could know God in Jesus Christ. We find this blessing that's promised to Abraham. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess is out a couple of years ago now, so, so I don't think I'm going to give anything away. But there's this, there's this big crash at, at one point where it looks like everybody's gonna die from this crash, but that tree dude, Groot, um, if you remember, he's like this creature that, he's just got branches that come out and can grow in any direction. And he grows and he forms a big circle around all the other guardians, and they like jump in the little ball that Groot has formed, if you've you've seen the movie, or if you haven't seen the movie, try to imagine that maybe, it'll help illustration. So so they're all inside of this ball that's, that's formed by Groot, the tree man, and they have this fiery crash and Groot dies, but everybody who was in Groot lives. They survive the crash because they were in Groot. If we are in Christ, then the wrath of God crashes into Jesus Christ at the cross. And he dies there bearing the weight of the wrath of God, but because we are in Christ, because we are connected to him by faith, we are shielded from the wrath of God. We are spared the wrath of God because we are in Christ. He takes the hit for us. We find blessing in knowing him, in knowing Jesus Christ. I, I was thinking about this and I, I think if there was one thing if I could like, like come around and grab each one of you first thing in the morning I know that would be startling but it, like if, I could, if I could grab you first thing in the morning and make you believe one thing if I could make you believe one thing if I could grab myself every morning and make me believe one thing it's that blessing comes from knowing God blessing comes from knowing God Blessing comes from having a, a living, breathing relationship with God. Rings gather dust. Instagram likes disappear into your feed, never to be seen again. Life is about knowing and being known by a person, about knowing God and being in relationship with Him. That's the true source of blessing. There's a, a, a praise song. I don't know if you've ever sung it here by not. I think it's Jesus, Lamb of God. And one of the lines in it is, you're the treasure that I seek. You're the treasure that I seek. You know, the, the, the story of the prodigal son, the, the sons. the youngest son, ran off into the far country doing what? He was looking for blessing in all the wrong places. <coughs> we run off ourselves into all sorts of far countries looking for blessing when the real treasure is found in a restored relationship with God that comes about not through our work, but through the work of Jesus Christ for us. C.S. Lewis once wrote, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, It would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 11 you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. What if, what if we really believe that? What if, if you and I really believe that? What if, what if that was the story that we live by? What if that was a story we live by? How would that affect the way I use social media? How would that affect how much time I spend at work? How would that affect the way I approach my work when I'm there? How would that affect the things I pursue and chase after? How would that help me when I'm struggling and life is hard and nothing seems to be good and the the kids are sick again and again and again? I think if we really grasp that story, it really would change how we approach everything. The um, the Charlie Brown Christmas story has been in the news this week, and, and I decided to use it as an illustration But before all that happened, so I, there's attached no political meaning to this story. Uh, but uh, in, the, in the Charlie Brown Christmas story, Charlie Brown gets to the play, and he brings this tiny, shaggy little tree in, and everybody makes fun of him, and they just kind of boo him out of the room because they want the big, bright multicolored tree with all of the lights. They want the glamorous tree. But then something changes and they run and they find Charlie Brown and they decorate the tree and they gather around and sing silent night. Now what happened to get from here to here? Well, Ida stands up and he, he uh, quotes from memory the story of Jesus' birth. He, he quotes, I think it's from the, from the Gospels of, of Luke. What changed? What changed? That story changed everything. The story of Jesus changed everything about the way they were thinking about Christmas and about what was really important. The blessings that are promised to Abraham, the blessing of of knowing God and having a relationship with Him comes to you, can come to you, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the story. That's the story that God offers to you. And if you begin to live your life by that story, that would really change everything. I wanna close with this. What if having told you that, I told you that the best way to go deeper into the story deeper into the treasure that that you have in Jesus is to go and share him with other people. That might be scary to many of us. But if you look at these passages, what's the first thing Abraham's told? Abraham is told to go. He's told to go. Jesus, one of the last things he tells his disciples is to go. Go. Go and make disciples. Then he ends that great commission by saying, and behold, I will be with you always as you go and as you make disciples. I think one of the reasons Christianity begins to feel unreal to some of us, the reason we lack joy and passion about God, the reason we don't feel like we know him well, is not because we're not reading our Bibles enough. It's because we're not going. It's because we're not stepping out into those awkward situations, into those scary situations where the only safety net we have is God. We're not getting into those situations where people ask us questions that we don't have the answers to. We're not putting ourselves into situations where we truly have to lean into God. And so instead of a friend who is with us on a journey, God feels like this distant relative or this rich uncle that we just call every once in a while, when we get into trouble, when we need something. If you want to experience the blessing of knowing God to its fullest, I really think you have to go. Now, what does that mean? It means that you and I have to figure out how to carry out the Great Commission, how to tell this story about Jesus, how to live this story about Jesus out in our everyday lives wherever God has placed us. We have been blessed along with Abraham in order to be a blessing to others. And we have to, to figure out how to do that. But let me, let me give you one suggestion. Uh, we do need people. We've talked about this. We need people who will lead Bible studies. And if you came up to me and said, doesn't I want to lead a Bible study in the spring, i would be excited about that. But if you came up to me and said, I'm not going to be involved in a Bible study this spring. I'm going to get together with three unbelieving neighbors and watch The Walking Dead every week for a year. I would be more excited about that. And you can send me your angry emails later. But but, but we come and we feast on this buffet and we think we're going to grow just by sticking our heads in it over and over again. But I think we're going to grow. Yes, we do need this. But we're going to grow as we come here, as we gather, and then we go out there. And that's where you have to really lean into God is when you're in those relationships. And that's where we begin to experience His blessing more and more. And what it means to be in fellowship with Him as we go. As we go. Now, you might be saying at this point, Justin, that sounds really exhausting. And, so, and, and maybe, maybe it would be, but what if, what if we were really in love with this story? What if we were really in love with the Jesus who loved you even when you were a sinner? Loved you even when you didn't want to share the story with anybody? Loved you even when you were struggling? Loved you even when you were angry at the in-laws and yelled at them over Christmas? Loved you even when you were a failure? Loved you even when your house didn't look like the Biltmore or even the Christmas vacation house much less? What if if you realized that God really loved you in the midst of all your not going? What if you didn't have to spend so much time and so much emotional energy promoting you, convincing people that you are okay? What if you could just say, you know what? I'm a mess and that's why I need Jesus. Let me tell you about him instead of me. Wouldn't that be a lot less exhausting than what we're all so busy doing now promoting ourselves, what if we could just promote Jesus? I think it would be. I think it would be less exhausting, and I think it would actually bring us into an experience of joy and blessing that we didn't even realize was possible. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this great treasure of blessing that we find in Jesus Christ. And we find the relationship with you that Christ brings us into. Uh, Father, we, we confess that, that we repeat this story, but, but we often live by other stories that tell us where to find blessing. So God, I pray that you'd help us to see that those are empty and those are, are dead ends and that those will wear us out. Help us to run to, to this story and to take such delight in this story and to rejoice in it so much uh, that we want other people to to hear the story as well. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.